in an industry where I'm used to things being turtles all the way down, this is turtles inside of turtles all the way down. <laughs> Friends and enemies, welcome to Bad Voltage Series 3, episode 26, in which we will be talking about Flock, and not the wallpaper. I'm here with John Bacon and Jeremy Garcia. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, and also not the instant messaging application. Apparently there's one of those as well. Doing well. Except so, there's an IM app called Flock, really? Apparently. Apparently. Wasn't it a browser? I've literally only it just was, thought of this. Didn't Mozilla oh, do yeah, a browser called that, Flock? What did it do? Wasn't it that privacy sensing browser? Was that Flock? Wow. Did someone at Google go, we're going to call it Flock just to annoy the two people at Mozilla who remember that project? <laughs> <laughs> Mike can tell us because every sub thing is a different bird. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. That's that, when, when are they going to have Google chicken? <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so yes, we're going to talk about Flock, um, and if you're familiar with it, then we're going to dig into it in a lot of detail. If you're not familiar with it, then you're going to find out about it, uh, which is their basic effort to try and improve privacy and enable people to do advertising. And um, Jeremy's a huge fan, is all you need to know about this discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's not very fair. Um, and no news. No news is good news. And in this case, we have no news, and it is, in fact, good news, because uh, we're going to talk about Flock for now. So I think it is bad news, because the news was actually interesting. We just talked about the yeah. Uh, yeah. the Federated Learning of Cohorts for quite a while. We do actually yeah. need to do, maybe next show, we just do nothing but news. Let's do nothing but news in the next show, because we haven't done news for a while. NBN. All right. Let's do it. Flock, F-L-O-C, is a proposal from Google as part of their Privacy Sandbox initiative to replace third-party advertising cookies, but still enable what they call interest-based advertising, which is the idea that you look at a webpage with shoes on, and then every webpage you look at for the next two weeks has shoe adverts on it. Safari and Firefox (laughs) already block third-party advertising cookies, but Chrome doesn't. And this is Google's proposal for something more privacy-preserving, which supposedly gives similar results and they're aiming to put this into chrome quarter two this year so you know tomorrow (laughs) i already Um, have it for what it's worth in chrome 89 it stands for federated learning of cohorts so a cohort is an anonymous group of people who share similar browsing interests and there's an id for that cohort 16-bit number and that cohort id is recalculated every week the proof of concept does it with a thing called SimHash, but they're not wedded to a particular way to calculate which cohort you're in. Uh, exactly how the machine learning algorithm magic works is deliberately not specified. But the idea is that your browser uses the list of pages <coughs> you've looked at over the last week to calculate a cohort ID for you entirely on your device. And then other people who've looked at pages on similar topics will independently be calculated to have the same cohort ID. 
Right. So it's not it doesn't pass up the big list of pages you've looked at to some central thing which then issues you with an ID. The idea is that if I've looked at similar pages to you, you and I will both independently calculate the same cohort ID, and this is done through machine learning magic. Right. Right. Um but then your cohort ID is the only thing which is passed to advertisers. So advertisers don't get to know the list of pages you've looked at specifically. What they get to know is the idea of a box, which people who look at similar pages to you, you're all in. So right. the the concept right. here is that a cohort is big enough that it doesn't advertise, it doesn't identify specific people, but it's small enough that it's a useful group for targeted advertising, which is something we talked about in a previous show. A right. cohort should be on the order of several thousand people, probably. And Google claimed that advertisers can expect to see at least 95% of the conversions per dollar spent when compared to cookie-based advertising. And cohorts are also not supposed to correlate with what Google calls sensitive categories, which is stuff like race and sexuality and things like that. It's not at all clear to me how this is enforced or how it's even detected. They kind of hand wave over this and imply they have ways of detecting it, but... Trust us, not, we're Google. Not very sure how. <laughs> um, it's also not at all clear to me, and I've done a bunch of reading around this, and I don't understand it, how an advertiser knows, how, um, an advertiser knows that cohort ID 12345 is equal to people who like death metal plus pasties plus the Toyota RAV4 or whatever. Yeah. Dude, um, forget. It was years ago I had a RAV4. <laughs> years ago. It's time to move on. Um, it's also, we all make mistakes. It's also not clear to me either whether the list of cohort IDs are de facto fixed. So this ID always means death metal plus pasties plus the rav4 and people move in and out of it or whether they're dynamically recalculated every time and then and there may not be a box for that yep Mm. um it seems like um advertisers have to work out themselves what a given cohort id means how they do this is wildly unclear. Google say marketers will be able to use their own technology to identify high-value flock IDs. But as far as I can tell, no one specifies how, and perhaps they're meant to do it by magic or by reading data out of the luminiferous ether or something. I don't understand. But that is a summary of what flock is, as I understand it. Before we go on, Luminous earth, well, ether. The, the luminiferous ether. <laughs> that is that should be the show title. <laughs> I, 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 the, the 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 luminiferous ether was um a thing that people that scientists believed existed up until about eighteen fifty or so because they thought it's what light travelled through. It, it was everywhere and it permeated everything, and that's how you know like you can have waves in water. And, right. and they thought, well, um, if light travel light in order to travel somewhere, must be travelling through something. Right, What's it right. travelling through? That's the luminiferous ether. And then uh, I think the Mitchelson-Morley experiment determined that it was all bullshit and it didn't exist at all. <laughs> uh, reeling it back in, much like Flock. <laughs> it's very similar to the Kardashians. They seem to be everywhere, and then it turns out that it's all bullshit. That the Kardashians um, are the luminiferous ether. <laughs> I did a bunch of research on GitHub, because th- there's a repo for Flock. 
I did a bunch of reading for from Advertising Bureau, the IAB. I did a bunch of reading from Google themselves. I have never seen the equivalent of what is in effect an RFC, which are mostly a list of musts, a list of must-nots, and a couple of mays or may-nots, or should <laughs> or should-nots. This is nothing but may. There's not a must or can or cannot. Yeah. It's a bunch of mays and a bunch of things that theoretically might exist, but Flock is enabled for my browser I checked last night which seems weird to me. So I, I also, those things that you said you could not figure out, I could not figure out a single one of them. So the fact that you have a cohort ID, but no way to actually know what that ID is as of today, from what I can tell, but it's enabled. Like, I, I don't know what's actually uh, happening. You, could, you can find out what your cohort ID is. Um, yes. As, how, as you said, how do you know that that's someone in Birmingham who likes pies and front-end web development? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose after the Rav4 thing, I can't really complain about that. But nonetheless, fuck you, Goss. <laughs> it's it's not necessarily untrue, is it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. It's not true, but it's not not true either. Right. I didn't realise you were losing interest in front end development. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the pies are definitely a constant. Um, but yeah, it's what I. The thing that I don't understand is not just that. Um, this what we've got is not a spec it's a proposal um right so is it, it a proposal even though it's more of a the beginning of an idea well yeah it feels to me like the kind of document you put together when you go i've got a plan and you want to pass it around to people to have people go yeah that seems interesting this is a good starting place for discussion we don't want to start with a blank piece of paper but Google is simultaneously going, well, it kind of works like this. Not really sure. Lots to decide. And also going, well, we've obviously got a hard, concrete, technical implementation because we built it and we're shipping it. Right. But how it works, I don't know. And there's a bunch of stuff here. Like, if it's all done with magic machine learning inside the browser, and that's how it calculates cohort IDs, is it is it in Chromium? I mean... Is the way you determine someone's cohort ID proprietary? That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. there are a whole bunch of questions. That, there seems to be a lot of discussion about it at a very kind of high level sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, th you've not just got articles about this in Search Engine Land and Ad Exchanger and stuff like that. You've got articles about this showing up in places like The Guardian. Mm hmm. Right, so it's being made available to people. This, the fact that this is going on, being made available to people at a technical end of the mainstream media sort of level, but they're also shipping a concrete technical implementation. And I don't think, unless all the advertisers know about this and no one wants to write it down because it's like Lord Voldemort or something, I don't get how anyone knows what a cohort ID means. It, it also seems like Flock is part of the idea that then there's Turtle Dove and Dove Key and Seagull and a whole bunch of bird name mm. things that are parts of the implementation piece. Because one of it I, was the, the sim hash will be generated by machine learning on your phone, but then people are saying, well, that's going to kill your battery, and there's a bunch of other limitations there. So why don't we have a third party unrelated to any ad serving yeah. entity, which I think was Dove Key. So yes. from a, from a taking it back a step perspective, it seems like to me, there, there's four knobs we have here, right? There's the revenue, the things you want to optimize are revenue for publishers. There's the targeting capability of the ad networks, there's which leads to the return on ad spend for buyers, and then privacy for all of us in the end. Yeah. Mm. So as it is today, ad networks really have... Uh, 
broadly three ways to determine which ads to show, right? Like first party contextual, which is what, what Linux question does. So if you want to show an ad to people that are ostensibly interested in Linux, we will show your ad, which is a form of targeting, clearly. Yeah, in the in the same way that um, even when you say we're, we're putting your we're putting your advert on television, so anyone who happens to be watching it is doing it. You choose which program it's right. in the middle. Of. Yes, correct. But that's it's, it's still targeting, and we talked about this a bunch in the targeted advertising discussion we had a month or so ago. Right, and then there's the general information about your interests or search things. So you search for something about Linux, show show me Linux ad, uh, and then there's the specific previous actions the person has taken, which is retargeting. So. From my understanding of this, Flock is only two. Yes. Okay. Right. That's the the one. The, there's a couple of things I don't understand about this. One is um, is what the interface for advertisers is going to be for this, and whether this is going to change. Right. So if I, for example, so let's say we're talking about Google AdWords, right, and I want to go and today, I could go into Google AdWords or YouTube. And I can go and select a set of criteria to show my ad in front of those people, right? And there's various rules and regulations with all that all of the advertisers have in how you do so. Um, I'm presuming that with with this, this is just a back end piece to what will be Google's normal advertising um, advertising solution, right? Is that you'll still be able to target, and it's not entirely clear which uh, of those targeting no. pieces are going to go away. You see, here's the thing. Um, this could be exposed two different ways, right? You can imagine a, a low level. And again, this is well-informed, but nonetheless speculation. So if someone knows more about The, the four lines of JavaScript code that they gave as the implementation does not really <laughs> alleviate a lot to me, personally. Yeah, so I, I'm speculating here, to be clear. And if someone breezes into the Slack channel and goes, language, that's not at all how it works, and describes how it is going to so work, lis listen to them rather than me. But... As I understand it, at a low level, you can imagine you saying, I want to target this flock ID or this collection of flock IDs, please. Um, right. And how you've determined that those flock IDs represent people that you want to advertise to is entirely up to you. Now, I can imagine that on top of that, there is a service in someone who works that out for you. So you want to say, I want to target um, mediumly wealthy people in the Bay Area, and someone is doing the job of working out that that means the following list of flock IDs. Right. right. And that's that's a service which essentially doesn't exist now, but the equivalent of it exists. At the moment, um, you're expressing your, your preferred targets and someone is turning that into a list of IP addresses, basically, a, a list of advertising identifiers, like double-click identifiers or whatever for individual people. Now they'll be yeah. turning it into a list of flock IDs and you'll happen to fall into that. But I guess what I'm trying to understand here is like the audience. So there's two audiences for this. There's the world, right? And protecting <laughs> privacy, which which I think is a very reasonable audience to focus on. And then there are advertisers. It's got to be weird to be Google when you say, what's our audience for this? And, it's, and the answer is everybody Earth. always. Literally everybody basically, basically exists. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the only reason we're not targeting people on the International Space Station is because the latency is too high. Otherwise, we'd be doing it. Right. <laughs> But then the other audience is is advertisers um, who are not going to compromise on what they're doing, right? Advertisers are not going to stop advertising based upon privacy issues as a general rule. They'll operate within cur the current norms of what's available. And I'm curious to see 
what is going to be the actual difference here for advertisers? And I'm not just talking about Nike. Uh, I'm talking about small businesses who are just selling, you know, soap and perfume and whatever else on the internet is what's the difference to them? Because if expecting people to grovel around with a bunch of cohort IDs is just not going to happen. So they're going to use a front end to something, right? Um, and it's not entirely clear. I think the answer is if you use Facebook or Google to advertise, the, the real answer is nothing is going to change here. If anything, yeah, right. I, I, Google, I'm surprised, doesn't want third-party cookies to go away more because if anything, that increases the value of first-party information, and no one has more yeah. first-party than, information than Google. So yes, the, right. the reality is for those two companies, uh, very little from my perspective will change. What's become pretty clear to me doing the research for the show and the research for a, a recent show that we did is that almost no one understands the advertising industry, uh, on no. the online ad- advertising industry, and like... 15% of your money legitimately seems to go nowhere and no one knows where it goes. Like yeah. 50%-ish goes to the website. Google takes their cut. There's a couple very popular ad nexus agencies in there. And then the rest is legitimately ether. And I, from what I can tell, that 15% is going to get redistributed to companies that are less shady. It's right. I, I mean, I, um, I've worked in the past with, um, clients who are heavily involved in advertising stuff and it's abstraction layer after abstraction layer after abstraction layer after abstraction it is layer. the, the most whole... opaque thing i've researched in yeah a very long time the whole yeah thing. i have no and idea how it works having even you know not just reading about this but working with these apis and things like that from a technical level it's it's middlemen all the way down it must bottom out somewhere but it's not at all clear where now I have – you mentioned uh, sort of small companies here, and I think – and I'm not sure about this argument, but it might sort of <clears throat> democratize access a bit more um, to a user's browsing history across small and large companies. At the moment, if you want to target your adverts at a particular group, you have to go to someone – who has a gargantuan database of users and what they browse in order to get a list of users who fall into that group, right? Um, which means there's only really, there aren't that many companies who can do that. Because if you say, I want to target medium wealthy people in the Bay Area or, um, you know, people who like pies in Birmingham and front end web development, there aren't that many people who have that list. Because in order to have that list, you've got to be someone like Google you know, or double-click before they got bought by Google or whatever, who are tracking everyone on Earth around the internet all the time. Now, at least in theory, if you want to target those groups, what you've got to do is work out which cohort IDs apply, and you can conceptually do that yourself, maybe? Which means that instead of having to go cap in hand to someone doing it, you've got at least the potential of doing it without building up the date, building up the huge database yourself. Now, I'm not sure about that because it- yeah, but how do you deliver the ads? It's one thing to figure out the cohort IDs, but you got to display the ad in front of somebody, and that's where yeah. But delivering the ads is not a problem. That's not going to change at all, right? You'll go to where uh, whoever you go to currently to put ads in front of people and say these are the people I want to target. This is just working out who to target at the moment. If you wanted to target a particular cohort essentially um then 
you wouldn't be able to do so without going to someone who has a database of everyone on Earth, because they're the only people who can tell you who's in that cohort. Now, at least in theory, you can work that out without talking. But they won't tell you who's in that cohort. That doesn't change. They will display an ad to someone in that cohort. They will not tell you who's in that cohort. Yeah. You'll never be able to figure it out, right? Surely. Isn't that the point of this? No, no, no. You'll be able to work out which cohorts, in theory at least, you'll be able to work out which cohorts, which cohort IDs match the target that you want to advertise to as i say i'm not i'm not sure about this so you can't uh, you you can't figure out the individual but you could figure out the bucket that they sit in yes right and and you can figure that out without having to go to double click and say um we are going without going to google and saying i want to advertise to these people and then they keep secret the list of people who they think it applies to and what you're buying is essentially access to their database of targetable individuals now at least in theory if you can come up with a cohort id on your own you can then say i want to advertise this cohort id and you didn't have to ask anybody else in practice you probably can't do that you will de facto still have to go to google because instead of them having the list of all the people and where they browse they'll have the list of all the cohort ids and what they mean so it may not actually change it so, but but, you're, but but what you're saying right is that if there was the ability to know the cohort ids and what they point at and you had that big list then you, arguably you could set up your own advertising network and actually undercut google and how much well, they charge and then thing, attract advertisers one thing i thought of which might be interesting but i don't know how possible this is or how hard it will be um is you know how um we mocked Steve Coast when he set up OpenStreetMap and said, no one is ever, ever, ever going to be able to manage to do this. This is ridiculous. And it will be minutely detailed within 100 yards of your house in Cambridge and just minute everywhere else on Earth. And now it's completely... I have no recollection of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) um, The big problem with um, claiming you have no recollection of this conversation is it was all recorded and released on lugradio.org and I can go back and find it if I need to. Damn. Bucks. But, <laughs> but um, the thought occurred to me, and I don't know how possible this is, that if people work out this cohort ID means this, they could just publish that list for free in the open. But the list is recalculated every week. Yes. and what? But this is why I say I don't know whether the list is brand new every week. If it's honestly brand new every week, then all the effort you put into learning cohort IDs is invalidated every Friday. What that I mean that's got to be close to useless. So my mental model of the implementation detail I think is different than yours. Right, I mean so it may be that the cohort IDs are um de facto fixed. This cohort ID always means death metal plus pasties plus the Toyota Rav4 plus um, lived in Wolverhampton and people just move in and out of that box as they fulfill that criteria so so the list basically never changes but I don't know whether that's the truth but it's not clear to me that the list of interests and the cohort ID as a key value pair would ever be released in any meaningful way I interpreted it more as I want to advertise to someone in x y and z and the you you say that to someone who also knows cohorts and you get back just an ad yeah i'm i'm um not suggesting that the people who currently will do all the work to work out the cohort ids and what they mean will choose to release it that's their that's their business model right they're essentially selling access to the fact that they've worked that out but i can sort of imagine some kind of process which calculates it 
open source, uh, distributed collectively, and then just publishes the list. And it basically kills that segment of the business in the same way that OpenStreetMap largely killed a whole bunch of people whose entire business model was we've got the maps and you haven't, so you have to pay us for access to them. Or publish or free telephone books killed um, the business model of um, you have to pay us to get into our book, which is why the Yellow Pages isn't around anymore. You know, I don't know. It's this is pure blue sky speculation. Yeah. So, so, so it seems to me that the advertisers use YouTube or Google or Facebook or whatever. In the back end, it converts it into these cohort yeah, IDs somewhere so, under the covers. So this is somewhere under the covers. It basically, and that protects a whole load of privacy, and that's all. I, that- I don't know this to be sure, but I'm bloody sure that. Google under the covers have already got a bunch of these IDs anyway. When you say um, I want to advertise to pie eaters in the Midlands or whatever, they'll already have that cohort in their internal database with an ID. They they never tell you about it, but that's you know, and then that that's essentially a foreign key into the users table for all users with that cohort ID, right? I guess what I'm trying to figure out here is what is the purpose of all of this, right? Like people are still being tracked is like this doesn't stop the issue of i mean i guess you can probably disable this right but this doesn't the 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 primary objection that seem a lot of people seem to have about advertising and, and and tracking is is not how the data is necessarily represented in the back end it's the fact that they're being tracked in the first place yet people are still going to be tracked it's just that it's going to be obfuscated in terms of the individual the, the problem people have with third party cookies is that large entities can track you all around the web using that one yes. bit of information with this right. they will know that that cohort is like whatever the two stupid examples we're using are but not <laughs> where that individual goes at any given time Yes, yeah, so so they um they will know, for example, that you like death metal and pasties in the Rav Four, but but they won't know which specific things that you go to, and they won't be able to cross correlate you across sites. So you and I might both like death metal and pasties, but we might have been to completely different websites on that topic and still be calculated. No, I get that, thing. but my point my my point is is that. Isn't the primary objection that people have less about, oh, I went to metalinjection.com and that's how they know that I'm into death metal. And more the objection is, I don't want people knowing I'm into death metal because I don't want to see ads or I don't want to be targeted in some capacity. That's why I don't understand the the purpose of this. That's essentially the EFF's argument. Um, They are against this. But if you read through their thing, they're not really against flock. They're against the whole idea of targeted advertising. And what they're disappointed in is the idea that Google have gone, yeah, we're going to basically kill third-party advertising cookies. And what they should have done is just stop the sentence there and walked out of the room. And instead, what they did was invented a different thing, which attempts to fulfill the same goals while preserving your privacy. So I still think most of Google's money would be fine without this. Well, this... The the thing we talked about before, where you know, if you stop targeting, then your income only goes down by four percent, or whatever. This Stanford survey, or whatever it was, yeah. But no one's prepared to do that. Everyone thinks targeted advertising works, and they won't listen otherwise. So it does work. <laughs> and there you go. I still think the people that it think does it work. works, it yeah. works. You're still describing a different thing than you think you're describing. I'm not saying it's efficient, and I'm not saying it's necessarily the most cost-effective cost thing in the world, but it works. And the yeah. reason why it works is because 
hundreds of thousands of companies are putting millions and millions of dollars into it every single day. To suggest that it doesn't work is bullshit. It does work. It might not be perfect. It might not be efficient. It might not be cheap. Uh, and and, it, and it's certainly flawed, but it works. I, the real question is, does it work better than the alternatives? And if so, does it work better at a, a value amount that is worth the what you're giving up? Yeah. So I, I think the second question aside, the answer to the first question is still no. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but yeah, so this to me is the thing. I do not believe that what the EFF want is going to happen. So Of course it isn't. So, so, so <laughs> yeah. what the EFF one often doesn't happen. Yes. <laughs> so so the question is, is this an improvement over the current state of affairs? And the answer is I think even given all the holes in either the description or my understanding of the description, I think on balance, this is an improvement. I, I, I still don't get the point of this. That's the thing that I'm, I'm struggling with. I mean, and I still think part of the abuses that people are trying to get off the internet, this still enables. So if I want to target you specifically, there's, I could probably guess a bunch of sites that you go to and with, pretty high probability get your cohort ID by doing that, at least given the current implementation, it seems to me. Yeah. So you could definitely target specific individuals or definitely specific groups, but even down to the individual if you know enough about them, which seems to me a pretty big hole. Like there's privacy and there's anonymity, and I don't – I can't meaningfully tell if this really fixes either of those two problems. But but didn't you say that the minimum there's a minimum cohort size in this? No. Like if two thousand um, people whatever. No, no, no. The 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 idea is that um that the algorithm or the magic machine learning or whatever will attempt to pick a group of cohort descriptors so that the group is about a few thousand people in size. They keep calling it K, but they never actually describe a minimum or maximum bound on K. Yes. Ever. Like, ev- like everything else that I could tell, there's no actual definition. I mean, you can... Im- I-, I think what it's going to be is this cohort ID corresponds to death metal pasty Toyota RAV4 fans in California, say. And you can imagine there being a few thousand of those. But if there was only one and it was you... I think it might still pick it as a cohort. So it, from the rough descriptions, it would aggregate them with other cohorts that are similar enough is how they described it until it met the minimum boundary where, again, no minimum boundary was defined. Yeah, but I, I don't understand. How, I, I do not understand how you do that um, on device. I don't get how you do it without cross-correlating between things. So the model is actually downloaded to your device and then the aggregate delta of the information that it learned from you is the only thing that leaves your device, from what I understand. I, I would be surprised if if it got down to the individual, um, because to my knowledge, and I'm not 100% on this, but I believe this is the case, is that a whole bunch of advertising networks, they used to en- enable you to target an individual, but they've dis- they now disallow that. Like, I don't think you can do that, for example, on Facebook anymore. I think a minimum number of people that you can target is like 50 or 100, something like that. So you can't target an individual. I, I, yeah, agreed. But I think the reason for that is that they know when you say, here's my list of targeting capabilities, you can't type in John O'Bacon. But if, sure. you, but if you type in 
death metal pasta you've had four fans in the bay area they will then look in their database of who matches this and go but there's only one guy so we're not going to let you target that but it's not that they they will disallow that category they can look in that category see how many people are in it and then yeah. disallow but you can't do that with cohort ids and again they're doing that with first party data so it wouldn't this wouldn't impact any of that they're no, not no, using no, no, third party no. data for that flock only impacts third party data not first party data yeah. google still knows all of the things about you yeah. 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 So yeah, I don't know. I just I I'm I'm struggling to see the point of this. I mean, it's like literally everybody who um where you sign into their website so they know who you are already will also grab your cohort ID and record it. But will they because it changes every week? Does it though? They it's recalculated every week. His, it, it, yeah, I was going to say, it's recalculated every week, but I think it's going to be recalculated off of the same websites as you looked at last week. So, but I don't know. I mean, the shoes example I gave was not wholly in jest. You know you know how that works. You go and look at one shoe selling website and then the thing advertises you shoes forever. So if Even it's- Even long after you've bought shoes. Yeah, if it's ephemeral stuff like that, I mean, there are people who will tell you they mentioned the word shoes in front of a Google Home and then it offered them shoes all around the internet, but I don't think that's true. (laughs) But anyway, um, it will be interesting to see whether cohort IDs tend to be calculated around ephemeral stuff like that or whether it's not ephemeral stuff like that at all. And it's actually the core things that you go back to over and over and over again. Is it going to learn that this cohort is people who look at reddit and google search and twitter or is it gonna learn this is people who looked at this shoe site one time this one week and didn't look at it last week and didn't look at it next week and i don't know the the other thing in researching that i didn't know was a thing in the advertising industry was there's a whole group of retargeters that let's say you want to target people that read the financial times because they probably are in a demographic that has a fair amount of money because it's of what yeah. the Financial Times is. Yeah. It's expensive to advertise on the Financial Times for that reason. But because of the way the current ad industry works, you can actually target people who visited the Financial Times within the last four hours on a cheaper site, but have that be your only targeting. And it's evidently a pretty big market for this. Wow. I, I think part of the problem with this is, um, I didn't know that, but I can imagine that. The, 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 my overriding experience of this is um, when you start thinking about advertising, you kind of think you know how it works. But what? The, but the thing that you know about how it works is how it works in about 1958. And <laughs> since then, and since then, there's been 60 years worth of constant arms race innovation. So it's like how. Um, if you decide, hey, I could like cheat on my taxes, and you think I've come up with a wizard wheeze, what if I did this? And it's something that Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs first came across in 1920, and you can't <laughs> get away with anymore. And if you want to do this stuff, you've got to be right out of the bleeding edge of the curve, like um, with all these iterations of how to cheat. And this is, I think, is the same. The advertising industry is so much more sophisticated than you imagine it is. Yeah. So I I have a couple of questions here I'd like to get your thoughts on. The first one is, what do we think is the motivation for this with Google, right? So Google are a giant advertising company, right? I mean, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And arguably, one way of looking at this is that they're making their 
their business, they're making their life more difficult, right? And um, they've never struck me as a company that's in any way prioritized privacy. That's not part of their value proposition. That's not what they sell to people. Um, It's well known in the tech community that if you want privacy on your phone, you go to Apple, you don't go to Google, for example, right? Why do you think they're doing this? So Apple already bu- or Apple already blocked third-party cookies, so this was happening with them yeah. or without them. So once it once it was clear that there was a perception that enough people cared and Apple took an action, they can either lead the way and try to drive the answer to an answer they like or it's going to happen somewhere else. So I think they wanted to be a first party. My real question there is why did Mozilla try to not figure out a, a privacy-respecting way to enable advertisers five years ago when they had a voice? My uh, well, yeah. My answer to that is five years ago, it didn't look like it was a big enough problem because yep. people, biggest big people who were talking about privacy were people like us. The conversation wasn't even in the mainstream. Yeah, it wasn't in the all. mainstream media at all. And yep. now, if they come up with it, everyone just go, "What do we care what you think?" Like everything else, innovative Mozilla has come up with, they uh, they can't move things. The uncharitable answer to your question, John Owen, I believe this Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and I don't believe it Tuesdays, Thursdays, and the weekend, is the essentially what Jeremy said. They can see a privacy-ish, big t- anti-big tech backlash coming, mm. and they want to not have that happen. It, yeah, yeah, right. And so, if yep. they can say, no, 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 we are, we are taking actual action on this and we're prepared to do dramatic things like cut off third-party advertising cookies completely what that means is the sort of people who can go how about we break you up like we broke up at&t will go ah actually this industry is kind of self-policing maybe we'll leave them alone and that's the uncharitable answer i think the charitable answer is there are people inside google who genuinely do care about this problem right it's not all a cynical attempt to avoid being broken up by uh the government and big tech manipulation whether uh, and so what they're trying to do is they're trying to come up with a way which is which doesn't kill the whole advertising industry stone cold dead because first of all that would hurt the business model and secondly we need it we keep coming back to this no one really likes advertising but it's not like there's another funding model (laughs) so so if you give someone the proviso okay here's the deal stop third-party advertising cookies um do something serious about privacy, but we still want people to be able to target ads. So what you they're going to come up with something which looks like will make it so you can serve ads to sort of targeted-ish, um, like this, but you personally are not identifiable, and that splits the difference between the two in not too bad a way, and it's quite a clever technical implementation, what we know of it, and so on. Whether the people who are making the decision to do this are doing so because of a cynical attempt to avoid their company being chopped into bits or because they actually care or both. And I think it's interesting. I mean, Jono, you'd remember this. Think about being at Canonical where people would hear a thing is being changed or whatever and automatically assume this is nothing but pure cynicism and business model attempt to rip off the open source community for your own benefit you're like actually no all the conversations inside were about how can we do this well respectfully it seems like an actual good idea and it helps people and so on but equally 
every now and again in the meeting, the idea this would be good for us would come up. You know, people are right. not stupid, and it's a combination of both. And I feel like this is kind of the same with Google. Jeremy, the thing you said about Apple is important that this is not part of Apple's business model. So they can afford to just sack it all out of a window because they make money on selling people shiny devices. <laughs> they don't make money on this. It's 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 interesting the fact that um, you know, ad spending is growing, right? Digital ad spending is going up and up and up. And that this is kind of coming in. We're seeing the intersection of these two points, right? Where you know, Apple made the changes, um, especially with iOS. You've got the, this is happening with with Google. I'm curious to see what what Facebook are going to do here because Facebook have been hammered repeatedly for privacy over you know, and obviously Cambridge Analytica and all that kind of stuff as well. I'm curious to see where we're going to end up with all of this, right? Because um, if we've got more and more people investing in ad spend, um, and all of these changes are occurring. These companies are in a difficult spot because it's like, well, the reason why there's more and more investment in ad spend is because they're, you know, I'm going back to my previous point. They're 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 effective enough for these companies in terms of what they're trying to achieve, um, and I would have imagined that a whole bunch of these changes are going to impact the conversion rate. Like you said at the beginning of this discussion, act that they claim that it's going to be what 95 percent still that, that would convert the same. Qu- quoting Google, advertisers can expect to see at least 95 percent of the conversions per dollar spent when compared to cookie-based advertising. So they're saying, and it's not clear it's, what they base that on. Uh, as far as I could tell, they pulled that number out of somewhere round and inappropriate. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen literally no backup for this number at all. It's pulled out of the sky. No, and since the model isn't clear yet, without a model. How do you compare two models? Yeah. Well, I, and and given, that, given the fact that, um, and I'm basing this on a very limited amount of advertising experience that I've got, the, the concept of a conversion rate um, is in itself. It's got like a thousand different variables that will impact that. Yes. How they can possibly state that it will be comparable. It's just, that's fiction. It's got to be fiction. How could they say that? Because the the, the the impact and conversion rate will vary from week to week, not just in terms of which magic combination of variable, <laughs> variables you select for your ads. I mean, they have enough data that the variance for you is not going to matter overall, Like, but still. Right. Yeah. I mean, so a question, which is perhaps derailing. <laughs> um, but On this show? We, we were talking... <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong again. (laughs) um, (laughs) um, We're talking here about this being part of an initiative inside Google to avoid a big tech backlash. Can you imagine if the big tech backlash happens and governments start talking more seriously about maybe we should break you up, maybe we should not allow this? And we're starting to see uh, bits of that in various governments, including the US. Can you imagine it happening to Facebook but not Google? for example, or Google, but not Apple or something? Or is it is it going to be all of big tech or none of big tech? Or is it going to be, we'll break up Facebook, we won't break up Google? Can Google save themselves or does the whole tech industry have to move to do it? I just do not understand the antitrust law thing. Like, I, I don't understand. And maybe, Jeremy, you can help inform me on this because I'm sure you know more than I do. But... When it you know when we look at what happened to Microsoft years ago with the antitrust piece, right? 
I don't understand how that could happen to Microsoft back then. And you can have a company as involved in our digital landscape as Google and for them not to be broken up. Like Google are fucking everywhere in our world, right? They're everywhere when it comes to documents and search and advertising and the content that we see and the music we listen to and the videos that we watch. They're everywhere. I don't understand how they could be I will, I, will, I will tell you, hang on, I, I will tell you very briefly why I think what Jeremy tells us what the truth is. Um, in the UK, I don't know I don't know if this is the case in the US, but in the UK there is um, the offence of going equipped, which is uh, if you get busted and you're carrying burglary tools, then you could be busted for that even if they didn't catch you actually doing a burglary, right? But whether you get charged with going equipped depends quite a lot if you've got a screwdriver in your pocket or whether you're a reasonably wealthy-looking white guy or a 20-year-old black guy, right? And okay. I feel like the antitrust thing is kind of the same. The, the law is unambiguous but whether there's a case that the, the department of justice were prepared to push on is all pr and politics and i think in the mm. late 90s microsoft's were basically a bit too big for their boots and the doj decided to cut them down to knock them down a bit so <laughs> to, don't forget that the the size of the market that you have is not where the antitrust lawsuits come in it's whether you abuse that monopoly power or not yeah so the argument would be not not be what market does what market share does Google have or not have? It would be are they abusing their monopoly powers? Mi- they have? Microsoft didn't get busted for having ninety five percent of all the computers. They got busted for things like saying, given that we got ninety five percent of all computers, we can make everyone use our web browser, which had zero market share until we decided to ship it well, with just, Windows. Yeah, but they just sh- this is. I mean, I don't want to relitigate what happened with Microsoft, but the fact that they included Internet Explorer with Windows. I don't. I don't see that. that. To me, like, what's the difference between that and Google showing their own um, Google-related search results at the top of of Google Search? Answer: right? Nothing, in my opinion. <laughs> right. This is what I don't get about yeah, it. So is that Google? Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> I, this, <laughs> there's, this is probably an interesting topic for an entire show because I think it is the, where it is. the yeah, tech industry yeah. has gone. So, to, to answer your question, I'm not sure if the entire tech industry gets broken up in weird ways. But I would make an argument that, like, for Apple, the the area they're abusing to me is clearly taking 30% of every transaction that happens in weird, weird ways. So the inability to have an app store within the app store seems like a monopoly abuse to me. Some of the other ways right. that you can't buy – you can't expose that you can buy a Kindle book outside of the app store because they want their 30% seems like a monopoly yeah. abuse to me. So Apple, it seems to me – is in a position where I, I think they would probably get found guilty. I don't know if the appetite is there for them. For for Google, their policies for the App Store are obviously much more friendly to developers. Where, where they're potentially going to get into trouble is the breadth of their search monopoly and how they leverage that. But where do you draw the line between policy and monopoly, right? So Apple, for example, they say, we've just got our App Store. That's it. Um, and if, if someone was to come up to them and say, well, we want our app store in there, they could quite easily say, well, fuck off and go and use an Android. Uh, go and base your, what you want to do on Android, right? That's their policy. This is, again, where I don't understand this and where it wouldn't surprise me if some, some of this is politics and PR is 
why are Apple not broken up because of that? Yet Microsoft decided to ship Internet Explorer, a browser that they produce as part of their product, when you can still go and buy other operating systems. You can get Unix. You could get OS2 back then. You could use DOS back then. I mean, think of how little current senators and people in the House know about technology and then go back 20 years. So you're comparing <laughs> different things. They don't know anything about technology now, and technology is pervasive. When the Department of Justice did that, but that that justifies the decision back then, but it doesn't justify the decision right now, right? Like people do know more about technology now, um, and there is an ever-present mumbling about about companies getting too big for their britches and all so the rest I, of it. I think why you're seeing politicians care now is both sides of the aisle feel like they are aggrieved in a very specific way. So because the, like there's not bipartisan support for many things, but this is definitely one of them. Like Facebook specifically, I think both on the right and on the left, they have very specific concerns about what has happened recently and not going to get into who's right or wrong there or correct or incorrect. Of course, yeah, yeah. But because both parties care about a thing at the same time, it's likely that something may happen there. I, I've also, and I'd be happy to be contradicted on this point, but with the exception of the people who would be actively specifically hurt by this, I don't see anyone who's against the idea of big tech being broken up somewhat. There are people who are ambivalent about it and people who are fervently for it, but all the people I've seen who are saying we shouldn't do this aren't saying so because they don't think it should happen. They say so because they think the cure will be worse than the disease. That in order to do this, people are going to start bringing laws saying, oh, we're going to stop Facebook having such a big influence, but it ends up stopping anyone from being able to publish anything on the internet without a government seal of approval or something. So I think it's clear how you would break Facebook up to me or, or the remedies that you would ask for. It would be opening their social graph and probably divesting Instagram. Seems like a reasonable that that would get them to a place where they didn't and, have so much influence. And WhatsApp, I suspect, and, and but yeah. maybe WhatsApp and Facebook Spaces. I think for for Amazon, it's clear you would decouple <laughs> AWS from Amazon.com. For Apple, yeah. it's less clear what you would just give them an arbitrary rule about the App Store because you wouldn't break them up in any meaningful way. Right. And for Google, it's the same. I'm not sure how you would break them up in a way that materially changes any of this particular story. Like Amazon's yeah. the easiest case, I think by far. But Amazon's super duper obvious, yeah, because AWS is fundamentally a different company. And even <laughs> right, even Facebook is pretty clear bright lines that you could draw. Where what would you say for Google? Like, don't be so good at search. And that, what, what, yeah, what would you I think cleave that's... off that would make a meaningful difference? What policy would you put in place that would make a meaningful difference? And Google is so, it's such a wiry ball, right? Like it's everything's so integrated together as that, well, which and will make it even more complicated. And that's so. Apple's argument as well, that the very thing they're selling is integration. Breaking them up will do fundamental harm to their business model. Um, Google, I wonder if um, you break off the advertising business. Uh, and then say, okay, they have to compete with other advertisers to get their stuff into Google products. The problem is then that all the other Google products haven't got a revenue stream. But how does breaking them up, how how does that solve the problem? Right. As a consumer, you just have one very large advertising company who's probably incented to do shadier things because now they don't care about per public perception or getting broken up. Right. So right. If anything, I think, <laughs> the I think you're worse off as a consumer and have less privacy with that 
action. You're certainly not better off. This is kind of what I meant about people who are opposed to the sort of big tech pushback are opposed because they think the cure's worse than the, worse than the disease, not because they think there's not a problem yeah. there which needs solving. It's just anything you do to solve it makes the world worse. Sadly, I do think, and I didn't want to contradict you, but I suspect that this is the case. And uh, I think it's stupid in many cases, but I think there are some people in the world who the action that is being proposed violates just a, a an ethic of freedom, right? So I think there will be some people who will be of the view, um, you shouldn't be able to break up uh, Google, not because the solution will be, will be worse. It's just because people should be able to compete with each other and Google do a great job and blah, 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 blah. In the same way that um, there are a lot of people in the US, and this is a very American perspective, a lot of people in the US, their objection about not about not wearing masks isn't anything to do with coronavirus. It's to do with they feel like they shouldn't be instructed to wear a mask by the government. Uh, it's more yeah, about... These are people who, and, th- yeah, these are people who, if the government gave everyone a free ice cream, would complain about it because it was the government doing it. <laughs> I mostly don't care a, about their opinion. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole separate conversation here about socialism is really bad, but you know, government handouts in the, uh, in the face of a pandemic. Well, that's not socialism, right? Uh, <laughs> but that's that's where we get to be snooty ac- towards America. And we're not, yeah, we we should, probably shouldn't do clear, that. To be clear, it is socialism, and it's a good idea. Shut up, anyone who right, thinks. Exactly. Anyway, sorry, carry on. That's, anyway, but um, yeah, I, 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 it's not clear to me how how breaking it up would would really make much of much of a difference i'm just really curious to see what's going to happen when this really becomes a real thing um going back to the cohort ids and flock and everything and how it actually impacts just regular businesses because i think that to me is 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 where the rubber is going to hit the road right like if somebody's selling their perfume on the internet and currently they're putting Facebook ads out and a couple of Google, uh, maybe YouTube ads, and they're able to bring in some extra customers and make a bit of money on the side or whatever. Is this going to stop them being able to do that? And I'm not entirely clear either way. And that doesn't seem to be any part of the conversation. I did I did some research into this, and I didn't see any part of the conversation about the actual impact on just regular businesses, which is what I would care about. So, I concur. Yeah, it, it's... um. It's all massively unclear. And I was, uh, you know, reading about this and talking about it, and we started talking about this a little while back about how it should be a show doing the research and everything. And I was genuinely surprised to discover that this sort of conversation was still going, which all seems very blue sky and theoretical to me. And at the same time, there's an implementation being rolled In our browser. Out. <laughs> yeah, you know. In an I industry where I'm used of- to things being turtles all the way down, this is... Turtles inside of turtles all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know why they didn't um, employ you to do their marketing for them. I think they're missing an important voice. <laughs> That's, yes. Yeah. So, Congratulations um, on being more opaque than NFTs. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Has there been any more bids, Jeremy? No, we, on the, we uh, still on the are logo. at one bid. So if you are interested in a misspelled Bad Voltage logo, again, go to rarebolt.com <laughs> slash Bad Voltage. Jeremy is looking to retire at some point in the next five to ten years, so go and purchase. I I, th- I think it's interesting that literally in the two weeks since we did the show, it feels to me like the bloom has gone off the rose a bit of NFTs, it, like in the zeitgeist. Yeah. There now seems to be more people going, hey, this thing 
actually is a scam, just like we always said it was. And fewer people going, yeah, it's a great idea, and it's the future of digital distribution. But I don't know whether that's, I mean, that might be very specifically people I listen to who are all on the no side anyway. There's, there has been a reassuring level of, what a load of bollocks uh, on the yeah. that I've seen on, <laughs> on the internet. Well put. So, um, all right. Well, I would love to certainly hear, I know you guys would, what our bad voltage army would like to hear uh, or what they think about this flock business. Um, it's very interesting. Go to the forum or go to the, um, go to the Slack channel, go let us know what you think. Do you think it's going to work? I was going to say, I would also be curious if anyone, be it on the show or, or our listeners can think of a privacy respecting enough way for advertising to exist in a meaningful way. I don't want to hear answers of just shut down advertising because I don't think that's going to happen. No. Yeah. But if there's a more privacy-respecting way you think this could happen, would be interested in bouncing those ideas around and seeing I, what, what I, we can come I up with. I would be interested in yeah. hearing that because I am interesting. of the opinion, you know, I haven't looked into this um, in enough depth, but I feel like something like Flock is what you'd come up with if you're attempting to straddle both those two horses. Um the only other things I've seen proposed are have the word blockchain in them, so I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we put all the ads on the blockchain, and then we'll bid yeah. on them as NFTs. Like the whole header bidding will replace with an amazing. NFT bidding process. And we should record everything you do in a permanent, undeletable ledger forever, and then put a copy of it on every computer in existence, because that's the way you preserve privacy, isn't it, you morons? Yeah, we should, we should talk about this in Clubhouse. Um, so... <laughs> Yes. So, um, go to the go to the Slack channel. Um, tell us what you think. Uh, yep. That would be cool. And um, we will say very briefly. Um, thank you to uh, Marius Quabek from Nerdzoom Media, who does all the editing for us. Cheers, Marius. You're cool. Nerdzoom.media. Who also appears not to sleep. By the way, I know. Marius appears. He's, I'm, I'm fairly he's certain he's a bot. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a bot. I've met him. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I've, well. I've also met him, yes. I, 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 I have drunk beer with the man repeatedly at um, Foster Life, so that's cool. Maybe he's a very realistic looking bot. <laughs> I mean, have you have you sampled the goods? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how you evaluate. That's, this is going down an avenue I don't want to go down. I'm, anyway, I, we'll just I, assume. I, I'm, I'm not having this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> wrong with you all right okay let's uh i think it's time to sh i think it's time to end it's like 42 seconds past time to end is what it is all right bye everyone <laughs>